Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright, and we'd like to welcome for the very first time on our show, Tim Pickering, president and CIO of Auspice Capital, a commodities futures trading firm located in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Tim, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks, Charlie. Honored to be here. So, Tim, you spelled basically your entire career in uh, the commodities futures trading positions at Shell North America. You started at TD uh, Securities in Toronto with energy derivatives, and you started Auspice Capital how many years ago? Uh, over 15 years ago, yeah. I left Shell in 2005 and took that year to figure out the landscape, and we started our first, our flagship CTA-style uh, fund in 2006. Okay. So, in other words, spending all that time with commodities futures trading <laughs> I would call you one brave man here, Tim, and we're looking forward to hearing from you. And I guess on the side, you are the chair of the Finance Advisory Council at the School of Business at the University of uh, Calgary. And yes. so let's get started here with a brief background of yours, Tim. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks again for the opportunity. I mean, when I give you the background, the commodity side will seem very logical, um, I'm actually from a farming family on the Canadian prairies, grain farming, uh, grew up in that environment. Our family still still farming that land, uh, dated back to 1904. Um, so there's a lot of history there. Um, and probably my first exposure to trading was, was uh, through my dad, who, who looked at uh, what was called rapeseed futures at the time, canola, um, and probably imprinted on me. Um, I went and was educated at the University of Calgary in, in finance and uh, ultimately um, was given the opportunity to join the TD Bank Trading Development Program. Um, there really wasn't a commodity tilt there. That's where things started, sort of deviated in that you went through the program, you were exposed to risk management and, and all sorts of methods of investing, uh, definitely not with a commodity tilt, mostly currencies, interest rate and bonds, capital market derivatives. Um, but what happened to me was a little bit of a twist. Um, I was given the opportunity to join the team that uh, was kind of off in the corner and they were proprietary traders, could trade whatever they wanted, uh, including commodities and energy derivatives. Um, at the time, I would say natural gas was really the Bitcoin of the time. You know, it was very volatile. It, it was uh, futures liquidity was picking up. It was a, a big story in the mid 90s, late 90s. And, uh, you know, to me, it seemed like a wonderful opportunity for a number of reasons. When I looked back um, pre the, the 90s, commodities were an incredible story. I mean, if you look back at returns, Prior to that period, commodities had outperformed equities for decades. And, and, you know, a lot of big name traders, whether they were CTAs or macro traders, really focused on the commodity space because there were big trends. Um, there were very diverse opportunities. 
And, and it was very different from, you know, the typical bank related stuff, currencies, um, equities and, uh, and, and interest rate and bonds. Um, so to me, it seemed like a wonderful opportunity. Um, some people thought I was kind of throwing my career away, focusing on commodities. Um, but I kind of saw through that. And remember, this is circa the late 90s. So this was the dot-com boom. And uh, commodities, uh, interestingly, you know, and I hear this daily, I've heard it already today, you know, commodities were this passe thing, old school, uh, you know, why focus there? Um, well, for all those reasons of volatilities and trends and, and, and diversification opportunities, to me, commodities seemed very logical. It was always also very natural for me. So yes, I've spent most of my career in this space, first for a conservative Canadian bank that taught me the discipline, uh, then went to Shell, where the scale of things became quite significant. And then, you know, to start Auspice uh, as a CTA, which we'll talk about at some point here, but definitely one with a commodity tilt. Okay. So, uh, Tim, let, let's start talking here about your COM, COM strategy. Sure. Now, to clear the air in the event that uh, any of our listeners are wondering, you are a Canadian company. However, your strategies are U.S. market strategies, correct? Our, I mean, our strategies are applicable and, and available depending on the structure in, in a number of places. This particular product, the COM ETF, uh, available on NYC, is in partnership with Direction, uh, Direction Funds. So Direction, who has uh, you know, a whole pile of ETFs and mutual fund products, this is in partnership with Direction. We've uh, we've been working with that group since 2012, um, and in particular focused on this on this product, which which enables investors to have a, a disciplined exposure to commodity upside. Um, and you know we can get into some of those things, but but you can find that you can find details on the underlying strategy on our website. You can find details on the Com ETF on the Direction website. Um, this is a, a product that generates a 1099, no K1 um, ETF, liquidity, great liquidity. If you look uh, here recently, 70 basis points and really available at you know, all the supermarket platforms and, and most broker dealers. Okay, thanks. And by the way, a, a quick note on commodities trading here. We've had the opportunity to uh, interview others uh, uh, prior, some time ago, typically, on uh, commodities trading. And one of them was one of the original turtle traders that's uh, well-known and famous uh, back to the 1980s. And he stressed the very same things you have stressed, that he said when he started in the 80s, you almost couldn't help but make money. I mean, you, you, it was easy to be profitable, okay? And that's what made these turtle traders so uh, so famous. But he said as time went on, uh, those big trends slowed down and made it much, much more difficult here. So now, let's, let's start it's a, very, it's a very interesting point you're bringing up. And, and, and no, I didn't come from the turtle background, but I didn't know you'd interviewed. I'm, I'm going to guess or maybe hope that you interviewed Jerry Parker. Yeah, it was Jerry uh, Parker, right. Jerry's a close friend of mine. Oh, good. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, somebody I admire greatly. Uh, again, you know, when I looked at what came out of that turtle experiment, so to speak, and then the commitment to the commodity side and the pervasiveness of the of the discipline over time, it's hard to argue. But Jerry's right. You know, it, it has become a different environment, shorter term trends, less volatility of the last decade post the financial crisis, 
for all sorts of reasons. But but here we are again is is I think that opportunity that Jerry went through very early that I started to experience in the late 90s up until about 2010, 2012. Here we are again. And, and there aren't as many CTAs and commodity uh, managers, you know, with this tilt. It, it, it just deviated and drifted away from that for lots of reasons we can get into. But I haven't seen an opportunity like this since, uh, like I said, since the late 90s. Yeah, here in Southern California way and, and throughout the U.S. in the uh, financial press, uh, we've had one could almost say an explosion lately of articles, et cetera. And in the past couple of weeks, I've sent out three to four uh, articles from the Wall Street Journal and Barron's and Investors Business Daily on uh, commodities and that they are hot right now. And uh, it's just very, very interesting that we heard next to nothing for some time. So let's begin with this uh, before we hear about the comm strategy. What would you say are the relationships that people are talking about today, but the relationships between commodities and both inflation and the U.S. dollars. Well, that's a good question. I mean, um, yeah, where to start there? Um, inflation, you know, can come uh, from a lot of places. Um, you know, the thing that comes to mind for me is you kind of have even going beyond inflation into something that could potentially be a super cycle. And that term's getting thrown around a lot. Is yeah, it is. Everybody's yeah, saying yeah, super cycle right. for commodities. That's right. But, but, but here's the thing is I think we're already in it. So I don't, I don't think this is something we're talking about maybe kind of sort of happening. Like anybody who's gone and filled up their vehicle, gone to the grocery store, bought something. So inflation is real. People are talking whether it's transitory, uh, but the reality is, you know, you kind of need to, you have two basic ingredients in, in, in our opinion for a super cycle. And that is a period of underinvestment in supply um, in commodities. And so that, that would have to be pervasive, like a decade or so. And then some sort of uh, generational uh, demand shock. And I think today we have both of those things is we've gone through, you know, coming out of the 20, you know, the early 2000s and we talked about China investing in infrastructure and the emerging markets and this was this was what drove it. Um, then things went very flat in this space. It became a negative story, you know, think of environmental issues and and commodities just really got pushed aside in in so many ways, but but truly from a, an investment perspective. Some banks won't even invest in you know, uh, the Canadian oil business anymore, probably one of the safest, most significant supplies of oils in the world, arguably. And so, so there's that, and then this generational demand shock. And the generational demand shock, you know, you needed a catalyst, and the catalyst ended up being COVID that ended up being this sort of wake-up call uh, to, to the reality. But but that doesn't mean that that you know there's that we're not going to we're going to ignore green initiatives we're going to ignore ESG related stuff we're now hearing the consultants say look commodities are going to be an essential component of the economy investors should note that there's no transition pathway to you know climate neutral that does not involve commodities and here's a statement and this is not meant to be political I'm a Canadian so I'm agnostic here but but you know build back better. There's no build back better without build. And you don't build with, uh, you know, SPACs, marijuana and EVs. You build with commodities. 
And, and this is our reality. And, and I want to make it clear, we, we, have, we are in a period where we believe most commodities are in structural deficit because of the underinvestment, because of the lack of just investor interest. And all of this has culminated into probably, you know, the super cycle type combination. You know, just one final comment on that that general topic. Uh, the uh, International uh, Energy Agency has come up with a report, 287-page report, that the Wall Street Journal reported on. And I have not read the report, but I've read the executive summary of that besides the, the, the Wall Street Journal report. And uh, they, they point out in this, uh, uh, in this paper that the time lapse that is required between discovery of commodities that have to be mined, okay, and production is 16 years average. Right. 16 years. Yeah, so, and, and this question came up a couple of weeks ago on a webinar I did. I think you listened in on that. You know, some people's response is, okay, so we have a shortage, we got some logistical issues. Well, why don't we just, you know, go get more commodities? Yeah, well, yeah. you know, it's 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 just not that simple. And and this is what makes these cycles so pervasive. We get overinvestment and that lasts and, and you get commodities pushed down. And then you get a long period where there's underinvestment and, and some sort of stimulus, some sort of catalyst like we've had. And, and here we go. And, and you know, at, at, at the top level, I believe investors are really flat footed. And here's one of the reasons is generally when investors talk about commodities, um, you know, they put it all, first of all, they put commodities in one camp. Commodities is, is a thing. It's a one, it's one right. thing. Well, let me tell you, one of the reasons I, I became a commodity trader is cotton is not like coffee, is not like crude, is not like canola. You know, and we can go on and on and on. There's so many unique opportunities um, in that space. And, and so, you know, here we go. We're in this situation and people are flat footed. The other thing is generally when people talk about commodities, they're talking about oil and gold. Okay. Right. You know, now this starts to get interesting. It's like, well, yes, oil is, uh, you know, can definitely be very important to our daily lives and everything from making plastic goods to, to fossil fuels to drive our, our, our vehicles and, and the list goes on and on. And then there's gold. Well, well what is gold exactly? Is, is, is it meant to be an inflation hedge? Is, is that the argument? Um, we argue that gold is a great diversifier. Statistically, it's another thing that does something unique and different, but it's very unreliable as an inflation hedge. And that's what leads us to what we did with this product over a decade ago. And that is, I want exposure to lots of commodities that are very unique. I want to be agnostic in my participation in them. And what I mean by that is, I don't know what it is going to run. Is it going to be cotton? Is it going to be soybeans? Is it going to be crude? Is it going to be sugar? I don't know. But if that commodity starts to, to rise, I want to participate in that based on the merits, based on those physical properties, you know, forget my opinion here and just accept that, that there's something going on in that space. And I want to spread that opportunity set across a very diverse basket. I don't just want it tilted energy. I don't just want it tilted to the metals or precious metals for sure, but I want a, a uniform, very diverse opportunity set. And, and we believe that is the way to participate in commodities. We want that upside. We want to control the downside that exists in all assets, but you know, commodities are no different. I want to control that volatility. If we can do those things, upside opportunity, downside protection, 
that is the basis for the strategy that that is the com etf okay so so yeah tell us about the com etf what it invests in how it does it and what it's about as i said you know we're we're trend followers so this kind of comes back to the cta uh bones of it uh we look to capture upward trends in commodity markets and minimize risk in downtrends commodities aren't just going to go straight up they're going to correct and when they start trending the other way for whatever reason we want to we want to protect that capital so i'll give you an example covid hit commodities had been trending up in q1 january and february then everything started to dive um, and we started to exit commodities like many others go to cash protect the capital as we started to re-enter the commodity space one of the things that started to move first was gold right but did gold rally throughout 2020 as commodities came around and as this story developed the answer is no gold went the other way and so there's an example where we want to participate in those trends up but but minimize that downside risk in any commodity that's not willing to participate don't group them all at once so it's a tactical uh diversified basket of commodity exposures that can be long or in cash so it's a long flat strategy it's based on rules. It's based on CTA managed futures like philosophy that we want to participate in trends. We want to be disciplined about that. We want uh, dynamic yet rules-based risk management. How big of a position do I take in natural gas when it's very volatile versus a very low volatile gold position? I want to normalize those risks because I don't want to bet the farm on one thing and get caught in the volatility. I want to spread out those risks because if I do that, that's the best way to participate, you know, in an overall uptrend and not concentrate and have the risk of missing the whole opportunity. So rules-based, uh, trend following, dynamic risk management. And then there's this, this thing about role optimization. Some call it smart role. And this is to do with contango and backwardation. Okay, so this is getting into the weeds. If, for example, don't, don't get us too far here. Uh, don't get too far. But what I'm going to tell you is that this will come up, and people say, "Well, yeah, the contango aspects of, say, natural gas and rolling up to a a higher priced futures contract that's going to cause a, a negative roll. You know, that's a problem." So we've dealt with that. We look at the forward term structure of futures contracts have a disciplined methodology in terms of where we place ourselves. Do we want to be long in the front of the curve where it's volatile and, and have to roll up to a higher price or do we want to push ourselves further back? So we're doing those things for an investor based on all that experience we had at, you know, at, at, at a commodity desk, at a bank and at Shell in terms of where do you position yourself? So you put that all together and you say, I'm an investor. I want diversification. I want to participate in commodities. I don't know which. I don't know which is it's going to be. I want to be tactical about it. I want to protect that downside. This strategy does all of that for you. And, and you know, the ETF, the COM ETF is one of those vehicles that tracks the auspice strategy that, you know, again, we've been publishing this strategy in partnership with the NYSC since 2010. Um, and, you know, now there's vehicles like the COM ETF for investors to participate in. Okay, so thank you. And you brought up a good point that I had neglected to mention. COM, C-O-M, is an ETF. Correct. So there's no accredited investor rules or anything. Any, anybody correct. can buy one share. They can buy 500,000 shares, whatever they want to buy here. Yep. 
Yeah, okay. It, it, this was a strategy for everybody to avoid, you know, any accredited investor aspects that often trip up the whole investment in, say, CTAs, uh, managed futures type vehicles. Okay. And what is it in talking to people here, Tim, that you wish that more investors and advisors understood about your strategy and about the commodities futures market in general? Yeah, so that's a great question. Often when people refer to commodity investments and commodity traders, they assume fundamental and discretionary. So we want to talk about the fundamentals of the grain market and crop reports, and we want to talk about weather and those type of things. And, and to do that properly, you need to make a discretionary decision uh, based on your expert knowledge in that particular commodity area. We take the other side of that. We deem ourselves commodity specialists, have been for 25 plus years, but the way we execute that strategy is rules-based and quantitative. Why? Because we believe if we have a rules-based process, we can cover more ground. Sugar, again, is not like cotton, is not like you know crude oil. So I want to be able to take that discipline that we have, participating in upward trends and doing that agnostically, meaning if it doesn't go up anymore, I shouldn't be long that thing. I should go to cash. I should protect the capital. We believe that commodities, because they have a lot of volatility that, and they're so diverse that from, a, from a, a participation perspective, the best way to do that is through a tactical rules-based process. And this is where it ties to the CTA discipline that, that I come from, that Jerry Parker comes from. We believe this is the way. Now, the other way is you could pick one commodity. You could pick crude. You could have picked crude early 2000, said, I think this is the one. Well, that has been a bumpy ride. You could pick gold. Well, that didn't work out. We spread that risk for the investor across all the, uh, all the opportunities within commodities, a very diverse basket and do that for the investor. So again, you know, that's what we bring to the table is a disciplined way to participate in commodities. Now, I've already mentioned this, but I'm going to say it again. Prior to the last decade, commodities outperformed equities all the way since the 70s. People have a recency bias and they think commodities, you know, we don't need that area. It's not relevant. Uh, it's old school. Let me tell you, this could be one of the greatest opportunities I've seen in, for sure in my career, 25 plus years, for all of these reasons. Commodities can give you some inflation protection. So there's reason one. Number two, commodities in general have a low correlation to other things in the portfolio, equities, fixed income, even other alternatives, real estate, private equity, infrastructure. Number three, alpha generation. If you know your way around the commodity space and you have a process and a discipline as we employ, we think that it is one of the greatest places for alpha generation, given that diversity of the asset class. The last one is pretty relevant and key to right now in our reality, and that is this green transition, this whole concept of build back better, infrastructure spending, both in the developed world and, the develop and, and emerging markets in the developing world. And I believe the stimulus coming into the system in the developing world is going to absolutely eclipse what China spent in the early 2000s. Now, you make some compelling points there. No question about it, Tim. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. So let, let's move on to a, a couple of uh, <clears throat> questions that we ask all of our guests. 
What book on investing would you recommend for our listeners here, Tim? Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one. Uh, top of mind, I would say if you're interested in in this area that we're talking, whether it's trend following, CTAs, commodities, you got to pick up a book by Mike Cavell, C O V E L. Anything by Mike Cavell on trend following, and he's got a number of books more recent, way back. He interviews traders that have a lot of experience in this space and how they employ this discipline. Uh, he's been covering this this sort of area for a long, long time, and uh, you know I, I'd say everybody should read it, regardless of you know where you are on the investment spectrum. It'll give you great perspective. Hey, I appreciate that. I read that book probably ten years ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and uh, stayed awake the whole time. Uh, <laughs> but but really, it's it's very interesting, and he knows what he's talking about. Been a, a major player in the, in that whole area for some time here. Uh, next question is, uh, what's the best advice you've ever heard uh, about investing? Another, another great and intriguing question. I'll give you three little tidbits that come to mind. And, you know, they really came from investors that, uh, you know, that I admired and that had built something great. One was, don't let the tax tail wag the investment dog. So think about that for a second. People start often with tax and they get weirded out about things. It's like you got to look at the investment first and then find the right structure of that investment. But don't let tax dictate. Uh, you know, I'm not saying tax isn't important. We're all over tax. But at the end of the day, find the right investments that are, that are accretive to the portfolio. That's one thing. The second thing is investors, we're all, we're all fragile human beings, so to speak. And we all want things to work out. And, and one of the one of the pit pitfalls or holes that we fall in is looking for everything in that portfolio to be green all the time. You know, you get through a quarter, you look at your portfolio, did everything in my portfolio perform and, and have a positive return? If you have that situation, right, you probably don't have a portfolio that's truly diversified. You need a combination of things that yin and yang do things at different times. That's what builds a truly resilient portfolio over time. So there's a there's a pitfall to watch for. If everything's going the same direction. That's that's a red flag. The last thing is is probably the in a way the most important thing, and that is for investors to focus on their income. You know, if there's no income, there's no investing. So make a good income. You know, treat that money carefully. Find the right ways to invest that meet your situation. But it's got to start with income. And if you don't have any money, you can't invest. you got to protect that income. Hey, Tim, you gave us three for one here. So thank you very much. We, we appreciate that advice. And those are not things we've typically heard when we've asked that question. So we appreciate those insights. So, again, you talked about it briefly uh, earlier. But where can someone go uh, to learn more about COM? Great. So right to the direction website. So if you just Google direction with an X, D-I-R-E-X-I-O-N, the uh, COM ETF is on the direction platform, the symbol COM, traded on NYSE. That will give you the basics of the ETF product. Uh, you can trade it pretty much anywhere for your portfolio or via your RIA or advisor. If you're looking for a little more detail on the underlying strategy, what's called the Auspice Broad Commodity Strategy, it forms the basis for the COM ETF, uh, you can go to auspicecapital.com. 
under uh, solutions and there's a description there, history. You can reach out and ask us questions and we can provide advice uh, right on the Auspice website. Okay, Tim, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. So final words for our listeners here. Well, it's great. Um, I would say commodities are probably the uh, arguably the most underinvested asset class of the last decade. You think of all the things that have become new and relevant and shiny, you know, from crypto to SPACs and and uh, marijuana, all these things, you know, they're, they're, they're not to be ignored. But I've seen this rodeo before where people get so tunnel visioned in one direction. And at the end of the day, I can't tell you if SPACs are going to be around from a tax perspective in a decade. I can't tell you where marijuana is going. You know, EVs aren't going to go away, but who are going to be the winners and losers? What I can tell you is that the, you know, the commodity basket we have, those commodities in our basket are still going to be here 10 years from now. They are going to be relevant. They're going to be important. That's not going to change. Okay, Tim, excellent points. Thank you very much. And we appreciate you joining us today and offer our best wishes uh, to you and to Auspice Capital and to Direxion uh, in, in moving forward with this obviously important and very, very current opportunity. So thanks for joining us today. My honor. Thanks, Charlie, for the opportunity. Again, we've been talking with Tim Pickering, President and Chief Investment Officer of Auspice Capital, a commodities futures trading firm, Calgary, Canada, but their product, again, is on the U.S. markets. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love to hear from you and welcome your comments at info at You can access all of our previous interviews and shows at strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. Thank you.